Accrediting Excellence, the international authority for professional coaching and mentoring, proudly presents both sides of the coin. Mindset Priming does for coaches what colour did for black and white TV. It takes it to a whole new level. Well, that's one of the bits of feedback received about the mindset priming technique, which we're learning about today. Welcome to Both Sides of the Coin, a podcast produced by the IAPC and M. We're a leading accreditation body and our aim is to increase public confidence and to raise industry standards by enforcing a rigorous accreditation process that ensures the quality of professional coaches and mentors. The podcast is aptly named Both Sides of the Coin because we talk to both a coach or mentor and one of their clients to explore both sides of the coaching mentoring intervention, what works and what doesn't. As the proverb says, iron sharpens iron. Before we get started, let me introduce myself. I'm Jenny Butter, your host and an accredited master coach. I've been coaching for nine years, mainly in the area of career transition and life coaching. Joining me today are Jeremy Glynn and Sylvia Howe. Jeremy is an accredited coach and trainer and author of Achieving Happiness is as Easy as ABC. He has developed an integrated approach to his work called Mindset Priming, which enables coaches and therapists to work with their clients at a more profound level. Using the Mindset Priming approach, coaches are able to access their clients' subconscious aspirations, hopes, beliefs, doubts and fears. And by addressing these, put people on a path to greater success and fulfilment. Jeremy's client, Sylvia Howe, specialises in communication. She's been a journalist and editor, is working on her second novel, and in addition to this, Silver trains people to speak and write powerfully. Welcome, both of you. I'm going to start with Jeremy and then flip over the coin and speak to Sylvia. Jeremy, tell me about yourself. I put Mindset Priming together as a result of spending about 35 years, uh, on the one hand, working as a therapist, doing something called kinesiology, and also at the same time, I spent 35 years running workshops which gave people practical applications of cognitive psychology, how the mind works. Um, this is something that boredom after boredom has said to me, why did no one teach me this at school? Why did no one teach me this at business school? Because understanding what goes on in the interactions that are between our conscious mind and our subconscious mind really helps us, gets, gives us an insight on sort of the way we make decisions and what holds us back from achieving what we do. So I put that in together into, into mindset priming. Um, and since then, I've had a wonderful time working with that and sharing it with other people. Tell me that the type of people that you work with that are interested in this specific approach. The first people who took an interest um, were really the sports world. I gave a talk um, hoping to generate some corporate clients and I sat next to someone at lunch who said, don't bore me with your corporate work. Tell me about your coaching. And after a couple of minutes, he said, I've heard enough of that. One of my face values, and no, you don't understand. I think you should be training Britain's Olympic coaches because what you're doing is quite remarkable. So I did some work with some, um, met some previous Olympians, and they introduced me to some current sports people, including Ludwig Goldie Sayers, who was a triple Olympian and medal winner and um, record holder and wonderful person to work with. And I then worked with some sprinters. And the first book I wrote was um, aimed at them because I was told I needed to write a book if I was going to have credibility in the world of uh, sort of Olympic coaching. But after that, I found myself working with people who were homeless, people who were unemployed, people with cancer, as well as self-employed or gainfully employed within, in businesses. But what was particularly remarkable with the um, homeless people and the unemployed people and the cancer people 
was that the technique gives people something to look forward to that stimulates them and energizes them because very often when people are in dire circumstances they find it very difficult to find something positive to look forward to and the mindset priming process puts them in touch with something in their subconscious that they believe they can do and that they would like to do and then it gets rid of the sort of sabotage as I call it in the back of their mind telling them why they shouldn't couldn't or wouldn't be able to do it and because this answer comes from inside them rather some well well-meaning coach or mentor it, it really you can see the their eyes light up and they just become energized by it so it's been it's been wonderful to work with those people as well as the people who are really being successful and, and happy out of all the people you've worked with who have used mindset priming of which are you most proud well proud i don't know that i'd use the word proud um there was someone who had cancer and there was a lot of fear um, around about not fear of dying strangely enough but fear of the pain that that might cause other people and so on and so forth and they couldn't imagine themselves we do we have a process called goal balancing where the subconscious picks the date in the future and then the client consciously describes how they would really like their life to be at that time and this process was impossible to start with with this client because what the subconscious picked a date in the future that was about 18 months ahead and the client said everything's just black i tried again now everything's black can't see it can't see a future and as a result of a number of sessions um the client painted a picture of how they like their life to be and we got rid of the sabotage and there was one night we did an awful lot of work on the fear that I was talking about and the client I'm deliberately not indicating what age or sex or anything else they are for obvious reasons the client left their watch behind in my clinic and came to collect it the next day and before I could say a word and they hadn't understood what the work we'd done on the fear the night before, hadn't understood we'd been working on that. And the client said, I don't know what you did last night, but the fear's all gone. And that client, about 12 years later, was still living the life that they had anticipated and goal set for during those sessions. And I think that was a, a wonderful outcome. What a very powerful and exciting story. Thank you so much for sharing that, Jeremy. So as coaches then, where do we begin? helping people access their subconscious restrictions? That's a really interesting question uh, because so many coaches say to me, and I've sort of researched this with, with them at every opportunity I can, that the answers they get from their clients that we get as coaches normally uh, are from the client's conscious mind quite clearly. And I think all coaches also recognize that the really interesting answers are at the subconscious level about what the client really wants and what's getting in the way. And the technique I use for that um, is a technique called muscle response testing. And it's a technique, technique used for, by many therapists. It was very well researched by a, a brilliant lady called Dr. Ann Jensen, who's in Australia now. She researches at Oxford University. And it's a very simple technique to learn. And it gives you, it gets, it's a way of asking, asking questions that generates answers from the subconscious. And that's, that's, I think, a technique that I imagine a lot of coaches would be very interested to know about. Absolutely. Are you able to give me an example of one of the types of questions that you ask? That's a really interesting question. I hadn't anticipated that one. Um, you, you start by asking 
the question of what is, is it appropriate to do some work with this client today? And if the subconscious says yes, then you do. Uh, and if so, what is the, you know, I, I work off kind of menu, right? Like when you go to a restaurant, you have, you have a page of starters, a page of fish dishes, a page of main courses, et cetera, et cetera. I have a, a, a number of different sort of coaching techniques, therapy techniques. And if you think of each of those being on a page of a menu, I asked the client's subconscious to tell me which page of the menu to start working from. Does that make sense to you? Yes, it does. So yeah, can I just go back to the beginning? You Do you ask yourself on a subconscious level if it's right to be working with this client at, on this day or do you ask them? I just wasn't quite clear what I, you I, I, I got, It's The important thing is that I ask them. The, the, the interesting thing about the mindset priming approach is that the client is actually in charge of the whole process. The client's subconscious is in charge of the whole process in terms of whether it's appropriate to work, and if so, what sort of work to do and in what way to address their needs. And they know all the answers to those questions, so it's, it makes much more sense to ask them than for me to try and second guess it. I'd like to actually bring Sylvia in at this point. Um, Sylvia is Jeremy's client. So um, rather than just flipping over the coin totally and speaking to Sylvia individually, Sylvia, I'd like to ask you, how did you know on a subconscious level that you were ready to do this with Jeremy? <clears throat> Another interesting question. I have always been open to working on a subconscious and a conscious level. I'm very interested in that. And so I have antenna that kind of twitch when um, that's in question. I live part of the time in Malaysia and Malaysia for me has, that's going to be for another couple of years, it has its own demands, which is I'm not allowed to work. I'm an expatriate wife. I have um, no visa, and there's pretty small chance of me ever getting one. So that is quite corrosive to one sense of self, or my sense of self, because I've been a journalist and a writer, and I am a writer, but I was feeling very flat. I was feeling very concerned about not progressing, not using my brain, not feeling in touch with myself. And I heard about Jeremy from a networking club and also from a friend who said, it sounds to me as if you ought to go and talk to Jeremy Glynn. He has a very interesting way of working. And I thought, you know, why not? And so please, can you then take me through a session from a client's perspective from the start where you're at and then the journey that you went through and what the result was? Oh, result. I don't know what the result was. I think it's still ongoing. But I got there on Zoom in this rather strange age of ours. And I had no idea what I was letting myself in for. I had no I'd never met Jeremy. I didn't know anything about it. So we talked and we I told him what I've more or less what I've just told you. And he um, worked in his way. I mean, it's, it's a very difficult thing to explain because it was on Zoom. So there was, as you will appreciate, a sort of connection, obviously, but another part of that connection was somehow um, slightly flattened because you're not in the same room with the person, you're not in the same space, but we continued. And he basically, um, I was talking about what I was doing and he very soon said, would you stop doing that? What? I said rather crossly. He said, all that negative self-talk. Negative self-talk, I said. What do you mean? 
I'm I'm very positive and I do lots of things and I'm very and he just said you say I must and I you know I can't and I don't and we should and all that sort of stuff and and I thought oh yeah okay I'll have a go but I don't see the point but all right and I've noticed that I do it that's the first thing I've noticed that I'm trying not to do it that's another thing although I've also noticed that I don't stop as often as I should and should should got it should you see I've done it already um as often as it would be good for me to do it's rephrasing stuff it's making well I don't know if he does this with other people but with me it was reframing the way I thought about things and applying that sort of self-talk to myself and to start thinking and expressing myself and therefore the reason I went was because I honestly didn't know what I was going to do when I came back. Malaysia had sort of nibbled away at the edges of confidence. It had, I'd been out of the mainstream of working in the UK for a long time. I've written a novel, I'm working on my second novel, I've got lots of energy, I've got, you know, lots of oomph. I've always had that and it had somehow frittered away. And I've noticed on the th in the three sessions that I've worked with Jeremy, that he has worked on my subconscious in a way that I don't understand. And he's also corrected, not corrected, but just pointed out things that I do. We started out with um, a lot of subconscious resistance. The second time I went, went, I didn't go anywhere, I stayed in my house, but the second time I had a session, the resistance was less. And by the end, the third session that I had with him, he said it doesn't often happen, but the resistance you had, subconscious resistance, has gone completely. And since then, I don't know whether this is happenstance or whether it's because of the way I have changed my approach, but I'm working on three different projects now, all of which look as though they've got legs and all of which are going to be able to be continued when I go back to Malaysia. So that sort of resistance to being able to work, partly because I was, oh, and partly because, you know, I couldn't find it, it wasn't there. That sort of changed, something has changed. It's too ephemeral, it's too subtle in some ways for me to really explain it, but it's also really made a concrete difference. Does that sound clear? That sounds very clear and incredibly powerful and incredibly exciting. Can I just bring Jeremy back in now? Jeremy, as a coach, and this podcast is for coaches, you know, wanting to learn about mindset priming technique, can you just take us through, from your perspective as a coach, how you helped Sylvia remove those restrictions, how you helped to notice them and then remove them within that session? This is very interesting to try and do on a radio broadcast because um, one thing I often say, uh, and I, it's, I've made the point on my website, that the people I really want to work on uh, in this way are coaches 
because I think until a caterers experience the process for themselves, they won't ever fully understand how it works or the extent to which it does get at the answers they, they want. Um, most, most experienced coaches or top sports stars or whatever, when they first go through the process, they, they use the word that, that's fascinating because they've never seen anything sort of get at the answers. To go to try and answer the question you asked about the work I did with Sylvia, um, I mentioned the idea earlier of sort of having menus. Um, when I'm teaching people about mindset priming, I divide the psychology aspect of it into um, sort of three main what I call insights. And the first insight is about when and why do people limit their aspirations? And the second insight is about why is it that improvements are so often temporary? And the third insight is uh, uh, about what four things hold us back from achieving our objectives. Um, and that's probably the key element of the resistance that Sylvia was talking about. I sometimes draw the analogy that um, if I'm trying to explain all this, that if we want to go on a journey uh, and we have a car, we choose, we decide, decide where we want to go, we get in the car, we turn on the engine, uh, turn on the ignition rather, that gets the engine going. We then set the sat nav, release the handbrake and the car majestically takes us on the most efficient route to where we want to get to. But we humans aren't that clever, strangely, for all the brilliant brain we've got on the, in our heads. First of all, I haven't yet seen a client who chooses the destination that is where they really want to get to. That first insight about why do we limit our aspirations? I haven't yet seen a client, even at the sort of top Olympic sports level, who is aspiring for what their subconscious believes they could do or would like them to do. Everyone seems to set their goals short. So part of the process might be putting people in touch with what they would really like the future to be like. That triggers probably more resistance because it's bigger, better, brighter than they've been thinking before. Oh my goodness, do I deserve it? Oh my goodness, fear of failure. All those things would be accelerated and exaggerated by the increased goal. Um, and having set the goal, we can then measure, as, I, as Sylvia indicated, measure the sort of degree of resistance. I've seen people with 100% resistance to a goal that they've just expressed 100% enthusiasm for. And the coaching process over a period of sessions, the intention is to reduce that resistance down to zero, as indeed happened with Sylvia after I think three sessions. And to get at the, to reduce the resistance, that's very often to do with, well, let's, let's look at this handbrake. You know, people, as I say, having set, we don't know how to set our mental sat-navs. And most of us are going through life with our handbrake on. And so it's great fun exploring where, what's going on in subconscious, where the resistance has come from, where the beliefs have come from that people aren't able to do this, or where the expectation is of failure. Or, and those are the, often the four things that constitute that handbrake, the resistance. There seem to be just four things in the main beliefs, expectations, habits, and attitudes. And it's uncanny after 30 years of working with these concepts and working with individuals on their goals and what's stopping them, how those four things individually or collectively seem to combine to create what I refer to as this handbrake on people's, the resistance to people achieving their goals. I don't know if that helps to answer the question. Yeah, it, it does, Jeremy. One question that I do have, what if people's goals are 100% unobtainable or unrealistic from a human uh -huh. perspective? 
the, the, the Walter Mitty's of this world. Um, there was a wonderful film years ago about a man called Walter Mitty who just had these incredible sort of fantasies about what he wanted. And those were ideas he was coming up with with his conscious mind. He would consciously sit there and sort of daydream almost and say, oh, I'd like to see myself going to, you know, I can see myself being the first person on the moon or whatever it might be, a totally unrealistic goal. The subconscious has a picture of um, what we believe is possible. It's what a brilliant man called Bandera, Dr. Bandera of Stanford University, calls our self-efficacy, what we believe we can do. And there's a picture in our subconscious of the extent to which we have self-efficacy in different areas of our life. And that's what the mindset priming taps into. Um, so if the answer comes from the subconscious self-efficacy of the individual about what they believe they can do, you're going to get an answer that they believe they can do, albeit at the subconscious level and albeit that that's probably higher and a bigger, better, brighter um, aspiration in terms of happiness or success than they would consciously have their dream of. Super, really, really interesting. My final question for, for Sylvia is the things that you've come up with, your aspirations for the future, did you know that they were there or were they things that were accessed from your subconscious, which were almost like epiphanies? Oh, blimey, let me think. Yes, I did know they were there. Yes, I, I mean, writing a novel is quite frankly the hardest thing I've ever done. And I did the first one and I thought, blimey, that's enough of that. I'm now trying to write another one. I find everything I can possibly do to avoid doing it. I sort out my create, what is this, Jeremy? This is creative. Creative avoidance. That's it. I'm terribly creative. I resort my waste paper bin 12 times a day rather than, I'd stick pins in my eyes rather than sit at the computer and start writing. And that's my resistance. And that's, and I know I'm a good writer and I know I can do it. And I know I've got a great story. I know those things, but my goodness, did I avoid it. And now I'm avoiding a little bit. I must admit, I still find reasons to, I don't know, stuff the hamster, but I do more, I focus more, and I think about my sessions and think, actually, um, let's do a bit of positive thinking here and not say, I must not, and I must get there, and I must, and I shall, and I should, but let's just try and look at it. I try and keep my mind open. I try and look and see a bit further out of myself. And if something comes into my head, as it always does, my poor husband has a terrible time with my new ideas. Um, I look at it and I don't say, Ugh, can't do that. And I do try not to limit what I think I might do or how I think I might approach it. As I said, I'm not there yet. My goodness, I'm not there yet. But I have been somehow, the penny's been put in the slot, I feel. And I am wound up a bit better to do the things that I have always thought I have in me. I like doing, and I my 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 question has always been not what I want to do and how and my dreams and all that sort of thing. It's the horrible thoughts that come in about how I can't do them. It'll be difficult. I'm too this, and I can't do that. And I'm really trying to notice those. 
What a great discussion. Thank you so much, Jeremy. And thank you so much, Sylvia. If you would like to find out more about Mindset Priming, then you can go to Jeremy's website, pathfindersabc.co.uk, and his book, Achieving Happiness, can be purchased on his website. We're confident that anyone who attains an international authority for professional coaching and mentoring accreditation will be among the very best that the profession has to offer. So if you're someone who's interested in having some coaching or mentoring and want to find an accredited coach, mentor or training provider, or if you're a professional who's interested in becoming accredited, then please go to our website, coach-accreditation.services. And finally, if there's a topic that you would like me to cover on future episodes of Both Sides of the Coin, then I would love to hear from you. My email, jenny.podcast at coach-accreditation.services. Bye for now.